Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Yogi Fuel Podcast. It has certainly been a hot minute since I have posted one of these, and I'm so excited to announce the return of the Yogi Fuel Podcast. We will be coming at you with weekly podcasts dropping every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. And before we get started into today's topic, which I am like so like lit up about, I can't even tell you, I do want to let you know um, if you've been following along on Instagram or social media in any way, um, you may have seen that Embodied Ayurveda 2.0, which is our four-month signature coaching container program, um, is open for enrollment. So if you are keen on learning how to you know, embody the wisdom of Ayurveda so that you can step into your most powerful, aligned, and authentic self to experience more resilience in the face of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm, and you're just ready to take things in your life to the next level, step more fully into your purpose, then this is the coaching container for you. So if you are curious, you can go to the link in the show notes to book in a call with us to chat and see if this is a good fit for you. If you just want to have, you know, if you prefer like a DM kind of conversation, you can shoot me a message over on Instagram or Facebook. We're over on Instagram at Yogi Fuel. Um, You can join us in the Beyond the Asana Facebook group as well. If you want to just connect a little bit more deeply, whatever floats your boat, whatever works for you. But if you've been following on for the last little while and you're curious about deepening your understanding of Ayurveda of yourself and living a life that is in radical alignment with your unique constitution, then this is the perfect program for you. So go check that out. Send us a DM, book in a call, whatever floats your boat. And without further ado, today's topic of conversation is all about dharma and really fully embodying dharma in its fullest extent. I am so excited about this podcast. I was super lit up recording it. So enjoy and we'll chat soon. So today, I wanted to share a little bit about this idea of dharma. And uh, I want to share, because my husband would love that I would share this, it's not dharma, it's dharma. So the D and the H make a duh sound. Um, He's training me very well (laughs) to be proficient in um, pronouncing certain Sanskrit and Hindi words. And I feel very grateful for that. So I'm not just butchering them all the time. Um, And I want to give you some grace. If that's a hard sound for you to make, it's a hard sound for me to make as well. Anyway, so I want to talk about this concept of dharma today, and I'm actually going to pull up some of my slides uh, from Embodied Ayurveda because I'm where I want to talk about this today. Um, it's pretty fitting that I wanted to, you know, share with you about this certification, just sort of like off the cuff as well, um, and then talk about dharma, which I think like this idea of, of dharma gets really what's the word? I don't want to say discombobulated, but sometimes we think of this concept just as like, what's your purpose? What's, what's your purpose? What's your, what's your job going to be? I know when I first started learning about yoga and Ayurveda and this idea of dharma was like, what's my purpose? What's my mission? What's my job? What's my, you know, what's my career going to be? 
And this is only one part of Padma. And interestingly, inside of Embodied Ayurveda, this is actually the final piece of the puzzle that I like to put in for people is this piece. I feel like it just integrates everything that we do inside of Embodied Ayurveda in such a beautiful way because this concept of Padma is beyond what's your job. It encapsulates, it's this like multidimensional, multifaceted word that can't be conceptualized or understood in this like one way. As is with so many Sanskrit words, it's not just like there's this clear cut definition. It's this, it's this concept that's beyond one simple sentence to describe it. And so how we've sort of conceptualized dharma in the West is like, what's your dharma? Like, what's your, what's your purpose on earth. And that's part of it, like I said, but that's not the entire thing. And so, so much of what we go into inside of embodied Ayurveda is truly getting to the root of our dharma in its most full essence, so to speak. And interestingly, the word essence is one of the ways that we can look at dharma. So I want to be really like concise with you. So I'm actually going to pull up some of my notes (laughs) on the side here, because if you all know me, I go off on my tangents. So I need to be arraigned in a little bit here. I'm going to pull up some of my notes just on the side so that I can be concise in my, you know, sort of descriptions for you on like what is Tadma and like what that means and what that means for you, right? In this sort of like multidimensional, multifaceted concept. So I also want to state from the outset, I share this inside of, you know, everything inside of Embodied Ayurveda. This is what I know. And based on the, you know, teachings I've received from my teachers, the study I've done, this is what I know of dharma. And of course, in being such a broad, and with anything, with anything in Sanskrit, with anything in like the Bhagavad Gita, the Yoga Sutras, you'll know that there's like hundreds of translations of the Yoga Sutras. And some of them are defined and translated in these very subtly different ways. And those subtly different ways can have big implications, you know, um, in their total sort of like in our total understanding of them. And so as with, with everything, you know, that I'm going to share, um, just know that this is one interpretation. This is my interpretation based. And this is the interesting thing. My husband would say, it's like so much of what we learn from these, you know, teachings are like an interpretation of an interpretation. So this is me sharing with you an interpretation that I've had of the concept of Tadama that I think really applies in a very embodied, like practical way that we can use these, you know, pieces, these nuggets to really support us in moving through our life in a way that feels in alignment. And also I'm going to pause simultaneously because now I have like, I feel like I need one of those like gamer screens, you know, like I've got so many little things up. So I'm going to kind of be toggling back and forth between, um, for, for those of you who know, I'm actually staring at myself right now because there's a lag on Facebook and then it throws my brain off to see me lagging. So there's like me, there's like the notes that I have. And then there's like on Facebook where people may or may not be live. So I'm going to toggle back and forth between all these things. So if I'm pausing, that's, you know, just know that I'm just pausing in that way. So Dharma. let me go to my slides. Oh my God. I also am that person who has like 5 million things open on their computer. <laughs> so it's not just like an easy toggle. It's like always this big thing. So like I said before, Dharma is like this con not complex. It can be a bit of a complex concept that's not so easily translated into one thing. And it is multifaceted. It's multidimensional. And it truly does have implications in every aspect of our lives. And this actually even goes into like the stage of our life that we're in, right? Our dharma can change based on like our age, the time of our lives. Like what are our external circumstances? Like, are you a mother? Are you not a mother? Are you, you know, like, younger? Are you old? Like, are you in your, you know, 60s and 70s? Like, 
what stage of life you're in is absolutely going to determine your dharma. And so I kind of just want to give you, like I said, this high level like overview of what this means and how this isn't just one thing. It's not just like, what's your purpose in, in life? It goes so much more beyond that. And a lot of this wisdom and information I've actually got from my husband, who, if you don't know, Vikram, lovely, lovely guy. He teaches yoga philosophy, yoga history. He has such a beautiful way, an eloquent way with words and describing Um, these concepts in a way that's super easy to understand. And one of these days, if y'all are interested, I will 100% get him on here and ask him all the questions. He's he's getting, he's coming around to the idea of the online space. Um, He's definitely like old school and loves to like be in person and like chatting with people, but I will get him on here if y'all are interested in learning about this stuff because I'm a huge believer that the depth of this wisdom, the depth of yoga, the depth of Ayurveda, it's all, there's so much to know. And it's all so you know, it can be really theoretical, but it can be so embodied as well. And so he and I are always having these powerful conversations about like embodying the wisdom of the Gita, embodying the wisdom of the sutras. Like, what does that look like? So anyways, going on tangents, typical me, but so a lot of this, this, these concepts I've actually got from him and the way that he describes it. And I absolutely love it. So the way that he likes to break it down, the way that I interpret and understand it as well is that Dharma, again, it's not just one thing. Um, it can be a, a bunch of different things. And the way I broke it, have broken it down for my people inside of Embodied Ayurveda is looking at it in these sort of like four concepts. And again, what's super interesting is like they don't, these, these concepts don't exist um, apart from each other. They, they intermingle and they interweave to sort of create what could largely be described as like our dharma, right? And so while dharma can be aligned with like our vocation, like what it is that we do, like our purpose, like our, you know, what is it that we do to make a living? It's so much more than that. And so part of it, and that should ideally align with pillars, these pillars that uphold, and I'll, I'll go into each one of them in a little bit more detail, but when we talk about pillars, the idea of dharma as well as like that which upholds righteousness, that which upholds the goodness. So what are the pillars, the foundational pillars of our lives that uphold the goodness in our lives, the goodness in humanity, right? What are the pillars and the foundations of our lives that are upholding that like righteousness, right? And there's this concept of essence. And this is where I love, where I love Ayurveda. I have a really good like analogy for y'all on the essence, but it's like dharma, right? Has so much to do too with like your essence, what is the essence that you bring to something, right? Um, so that is a really beautiful analogy. And then Padma can also talk about your duty, your duty and your obligations, right? Your obligations in this lifetime, your obligations to your children, your obligations to your parents, your obligations to make money, right? In this reality, in this world, we can't just, you know, I mean, maybe we could, it would probably be pretty hard, but our society is built in such a way that we do need to make money. So how are we going to do that, right? Which does align with our vocation, um, our individual sort of portion of dharma, like that, that, that career that we have. And so whenever I'm guiding people through like, okay, like what's your purpose? Like what's your mission? It actually is the intersection of all of these things, right? It's the intersection of your essence, who you are, that unique flavor that makes you, you. It's also about getting clear on like, what are your personal pillars and what are the general pillars of goodness that are going to uphold the goodness of humanity? And it's also about being able to do that vocation, that do your duty, do your thing that you were put on this earth to do while also maintaining your duty and obligations in the other areas of your life. For example, I'm a mom. (laughs) So I can't just be, you know, and this is something I struggle with and I talk about it a lot. It's like, I can't just shirk my responsibilities as a mother 
because I think I'm, you know, gonna, I've got this big dharma as a yogi fuel, you know, I can't just be like, see you later, sats, like, no, that's not dharmic at all. That's actually a dharmic, a dharmic, a dharmic, a dharmic. I should ask Vikram. If you're watching Vikram, did I say that right? I'll ask him after if it's a dharmic, a dharmic, a dharmic. It's hard for me to say. I don't know if you guys can tell. I have to like really be conscious about saying dharma. Anyway, so yeah, we can't just shirk our responsibilities, right? So being truly dharmic is about having all of these things work together in a really, um, in a really flowy way. Let me just see if anyone's on the or on the on the gram on the Facebook. We have no comments. Um, let me just go. You know what? Sometimes I want to make sure that I'm able to comment on things. But if you are watching the replay, please do comment. If you've got any questions about Kadama, if you're like, let's get Vikram up in here, let me know. Um, I'm super keen to make him get on here. All right, all right, all right. Okay, perfect. I'm also, yeah, I'm super mindful most people watch these replays because it's just easier for me to do it at this time. Okay, let me go back to my little notes here. Okay, pillars. So I sort of shared about this before, but I'm gonna share about it again. When I talk about these pillars, it's like these pillars are the pillars that uphold something. So think of the pillars of a building. They're the foundational things that like keep the building intact and in integrity, right? So Dhatama actually has to do with being in integrity, being in like a foundational level of integrity that like your life works, also being in integrity with your essence and all of that stuff. So we want to get really clear on like, what are our pillars, right? Like what are the pillars that comprise the way that we live? And in yoga, we say that the yamas and niyamas are actually, these are the foundations for dhatamic living, right? These are the right ways of living and being that allow us to have this really into in like this foundation of integrity upon which to, you know, build our life upon, right? We want to be living in this manner of integrity where we're not stealing, we're not cheating, we're not lying, we're being honest. And so these are these foundational things. And again, this is where yoga beyond asana comes in as it's like, yes, asana is fantastic. That also can be dhatamic. It creates a solid foundation for our physical body. In fact, Patabi Joyce said, the first dharma is to your body. The first duty is to your body. Because this is the foundation of integrity through which you're going to go through your entire life. And if this body, this vehicle, I talk about this all the time, but if this vessel, this vehicle is not in good shape and the foundation of this body isn't good, you will struggle to continue to, you know, uphold your obligations, right? If you are physically sick often and you feel fucking tired all the time, how are you going to show, how is that going to impact your ability to show up as a mother, in your job, in your friendships, right? How is that going to impact your ability to not only show up and do the base level duties that you have, but to then go beyond that and step into this like deeper purpose and, you know, maybe mission that you have. And maybe not all of us have this like big mission in life, you know, that's cool if you don't, but it's also like, we can look at it in these multifaceted ways. It's like you have a dharma to your children. If your parents get older, well, they will get older, hopefully, right? From a yogic perspective, there's a dharma there. There's a duty to support them the way they supported you. So again, if we don't have that integrity in our physical body, we're going to struggle to fulfill the rest of our dharmas, right? Right? To fulfill the rest of our duties. Okay, so that's something that's really interesting to note, right? And it's super interesting that, again, these all weave and intersect um, through one another. 
And I think the other thing is that it's like when we look at dharma, even in terms of like our job, the way that we act in the world, right? These pillars, ideally we want those things to be in service of humanity. And it doesn't even have to be like in service of humanity in this like crazy way. It's like, we just want it to be like, not, not in service to humanity, you know, like, like best case scenario, we're totally benefiting humanity. Maybe we're shifting paradigms. We're going through a big paradigm shift right now for sure. But not all of us have this big responsibility to like drastically shift humanity. That's not for all of us, but all of us have this moral, right? So Dharma can also be like, I don't want to get into morality here, but we have this, we want to be working in a way that is positive, that is helpful for humanity, not in a way that is going to bring humanity down in any way. Okay, so that is all a part of... um, of the pillars. And again, there's probably so much more to this as well. Knowing too, like I haven't been studying the Bhagavad Gita for 50 years. You know, I haven't been studying yoga for 50 years. This is like my sort of embodied um, experience and understanding of dharma, what I know and how I like to sort of live and embody my life in the way that I like to understand this as well. Okay. Hello. If you are just hopping on, please let me know that you're here. Let me know. Let me know what's going on. Let me know where you're at. Um, so we're talking about dharma today, the multifaceted, multidimensional concept of dharma. So we just went over the pillars, right? These pillars that sort of serve as like the foundational integrity for our lives, right? The foundational integrity for our body, the foundational integrity for like the way that we live our lives, right? The next part that I want to talk about is your essence. Ooh, I love this. I love this concept. This was taught to me. I cannot take credit for this. My husband shared this with me and I just thought it was like so powerful. And I loved like, it just intersects with everything that like we do inside of EA and, you know, all the work I do inside of Ayurveda and just like sharing with people this like unique nature, right? You've been following me for any amount of time. You know that I'm like, there is no one size fits all. Like even if you're a Vata, there are no two Vatas that are the same. There are no two Kappas, no two Pittas. You know, we are all unique. I truly believe this, unique expressions of consciousness that have been incarnated here with unique gifts and, you know, expressions, whatever. We are all totally unique. And so a part of our, and so let me just rein it in for a second. One of the things my husband says, and actually he might've also got this from someone else. So I'm going to give him credit for maybe getting credit from someone else, but he talks about Dharma as being essence and how the dharma of sugar is to be sweet and that that's its job, right? The job of sugar is to be sweet. And if it ain't sweet, we know it isn't sugar. And so the way I like to look at it is that part of your dharma is to embody who you are, to embody your natural essence, to embody, to literally just go out and be so radically and authentically you. That is literally a part of your dharma, right? And the way that I describe this to my people inside of EA that I was saying, and it's so interesting, right? When we look at like the human condition and the human mind, what we often do, right? Is like, we think in our brain, like, ah, you know, we see someone doing something and we feel like we need to be more like them, like hands up. If you're watching the replay, if you're watching the live, like, you know, I'm actually going to repurpose this into a podcast as well. So if you're listening to the podcast, shoot me a DM on Instagram, you know, at Yogi Fuel, let me know, like, how many times have you seen someone doing something or you've like looked at someone and you thought, oh man, I want to be more like them. 
like how many times have you maybe thought that? Have you wished that you had more of what that person has? And you've like looked outside of yourself and like sort of seen what someone else is doing. And then you've been like, oh, I want that. And then instead of, you know, tuning into you and like your body and your gifts and your unique essence, you see someone else's essence and you think, fuck, like I want to be like that. Okay. And so then you go out into the world and you try and be that person. You try and embody that essence. And then you keep trying to embody that essence and it keeps, you know, not working. And then you kind of maybe, you know, get into this mindset of, oh no, I suck. I'm, you know, I've been doing this. I saw that person doing it and it's not working. What's happening? Why isn't this happening? Tell me if you've ever had that experience. I'm going to give you an amazing analogy right now. Okay. So the analogy I give to my people inside of Embodied Ayurveda is, imagine if salt looked at sugar Okay, and I hope that you can resonate with this. And I feel like this is a genius analogy. Okay, but imagine if salt looked at sugar and it saw how much everyone liked sugar. Everyone's like, mmm, sugar's so good. I love sugar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Imagine everyone was like going around doing that. And this is what we do. We love sugar. Everyone loves sugar. People like salt, but they like sugar way more. You know, people are like, mmm, sugar, let me sprinkle that on stuff. And we like salt in small amounts but people love sugar. So let's say that salt and sugar were human beings. Okay. And salt had the mind that could like look outside of itself. It had an ego. It could look at sugar and feel jealousy. Right. So imagine it feels really jealous of sugar. And it's like, man, like sugar's getting all this attention. Like, you know what? I'm just going to start acting like sugar. So then let's say one day someone's baking a cake and salt's walking around acting like sugar. Okay. And salt's like, sugar, you're going to add a cup of sugar to that cake. No, add a cup of me to that cake because I am just as good as sugar. Then the guy adds a cup of of salt to his cake and then you eat the cake and it tastes fucking disgusting because yeah, a cup of sugar in it, or sorry, a cup of salt in a cake is going to be disgusting because salt is salt and it does salty things and sugar is sugar and it does sugary things. And in the context of cake, a cup of salt doesn't work. A pinch of salt works, but a cup of salt just doesn't work. So then people eat this cake. They're like, this cake is fucking disgusting. What is wrong with this cake? And then salt with his ego is like, oh my God, I messed up. I suck. Oh no. Like here I am. I was trying, you know, everyone loves, see people love sugar more than me. I was doing exactly what sugar was doing, but nobody liked it. I must suck. I salt. I suck. I'm no good. Nobody likes me. And here's the thing that you can probably see from this example there's nothing wrong with salt. It's actually that salt was acting out of integrity with its, with its essence. It was trying to be something it wasn't. It was trying to do something, fulfill a dogma, fulfill a duty that wasn't its job. We, what we needed was a cup of sugar and a pinch of salt. And if salt had shown up in its little pinch, you know, because you know, okay, when you have a cake that has like the perfect amount of salt, it's actually amazing, specifically chocolate cakes. Oh man, right? Salt does make a big difference, but in, a, but in a smaller amount, right? But this is what we do, right? We see people outside of ourselves doing something that we think we want to do, acting in a way that we think, you know, we need to act. That's actually not who we are at all. And then we forsake our essence, to try and be like someone outside of ourselves because we think that that's the way that we should be. We think that that's what people like. When actually, when you show up and you just fucking own your essence, if salt was like, I'm Himalayan pink salt, bitches, <laughs> like check me out. And it shows up and it rocks, pun intended. If it rocks, this is getting good. <laughs> if it rocks, it's salt. And it's like, okay, like I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my best 
salt job. I'm all sprinkle myself in that cake. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous, but I think you know what I'm saying. If salt would just own its essence, if it would just embody its like true nature and just show up powerfully as salt, that cake is going to be delicious. It's going to show up. It's going to sprinkle itself in cookies. It's going to sprinkle itself in soup in appropriate amounts. It's not trying to be anything else. It's not. But when salt is trying to be sugar, it's going to fail every time. It's going to feel like it's failing every single time. It's going to feel like it's not good enough every single time because it's not salt or so it's not sugar. So this is where I feel, and and I think that a, a lot of this problem comes from the fact that like, we don't know what our essence is. We've never actually taken the time to like sit back and be like, what makes me me? what's my saltiness? What's my, am I salty? Am I sweet? Like, am I sour? What am I? You know, we've never taken the time to understand what makes us, us. And like, what are the qualities and attributes and elements that make us, us that will support us in moving powerfully in the direction of our essence, right? We, we, we don't take that time. And where I feel Ayurveda is so powerful and the practices of yoga are so powerful is that they tune us into our essence. They help us connect to that. They help us get clear on that. And then when we have clarity there, we can show up powerfully as salt, as sugar, as a banana, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever your thing is, we can get really clear with that. And then from that place of clarity, we can almost effortlessly move in the direction of our goals. And I can tell you, I spent so much time looking at people, right? And on social media, like, again, hands up, like if you have experienced this, like, how often have I looked outside of myself at someone more successful than me and just tried to be like that? And like, it was weird. I had a conversation with someone on Instagram live the other day, right? Like we were talking, she's like, you speak so eloquently. And I'm just like, yeah, now I do because I'm showing up as salt, you know, or whatever my essence is. I don't know if my, essence, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a name for my essence. Okay. I think it's pretty sweet essence. I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm going to come up with a name for it. Cause anyways, I feel it's been this, you know, this process of like uncovering how yeah, like me owning my essence and my essence as a leader, as a teacher, it isn't that typical. I've spoken about this before too. It's not this typical yoga teacher, calm, om shanti vibe. No, like that's not my vibe. That's not my thing. And I spent a lot of time thinking I needed to be that way. And that was a real struggle for me. I wasn't showing up powerfully. In fact, I felt awkward showing up. I like, I would freeze. I would feel nervous and anxious. But now when I show up and I allow my essence to just like be, and I just am being myself, it just flows naturally. I could just sit here. I could ramble on all day. Okay. (laughs) I really could. So, and this has be, this is the byproduct of this work. This is the byproduct of these practices, the byproduct of understanding Ayurveda and applying it and embodying it in my life and just like allowing myself and giving myself the opportunity and the permission to be in my essence and to know that there is no hierarchy. It's not that salt isn't as good as sugar. They're just different. They serve different purposes. They have different dhadamas. So just because, and this is where like our mind, our like human mind and our humanity gets in the way is like, we think that there is a hierarchy. We think that, oh, more people are liking sugar. Oh, then I need to be more liked. No, you don't. (laughs) You actually just need to continue to show up and do what you do and be in your essence and embody your essence and embody your unique expression of consciousness of the elements of the attributes in a way that, you know, is in alignment with you, not trying to look outside of yourself and be anything other than that. Um, so thank you for listening to that rant. Oh, Adrian, perfect topic for me. Okay. I'm so glad. So glad you're here. I'm so glad you're vibing with it. So glad you're into it. I love this topic. I love this topic dearly because double A will know I've had this essence my whole life. Okay. (laughs) 
this is my essence. This is me in my absolute most, you know, palpable essence. And yeah, it might have, it's interesting to see how that's shifted in like the online space, shifted in like my business, shifted in a yoga sense and a meditation teacher sense, you know, in a counselor sense where it's like, you feel, you know, if you are a yoga teacher, if you're a health coach, if you're a, you know, meditation teacher or whatever, or if you're a yoga student, maybe you're an aspiring teacher and, you know, you might get all nervous and think there's this like one way you need to be. There's not you being you. And it sounds like the most simple concept. And I can also acknowledge how incredibly challenging it can be. You being so radically and authentically you is the most powerful thing that you can do in this entire world. And yet it's also the most difficult because it's like, who am I, right? What are these elements and attributes and things that make me me? And again, this is where doing these practices, having this language to describe yourself, to describe the world around you. This is where this is so, so, so powerful. So I would say the first place to really start is um, in this process of swadhyaya, of self, you know, learning, right? Self-study, studying the self, right? Studying you and what makes you, you and, you know, and getting into, this is a great just sort of like tip is like, when you say you're a teacher or say you're anywhere in life, right? and you're interacting with a group of people, notice if there's ever times where you feel um, constricted, right? When you feel a little contracted, when you notice yourself acting in a way that's like not actually who you are, you'll, you'll feel if you, and now that I've said this, you'll be more attuned to it. It's like, oh man, I actually wasn't being fully myself there. Oh, I really wasn't speaking in a way that felt in alignment for me. You will feel it. And then notice when you feel, I can say right now, like I feel really like, oh, you can see in my body language, I'm expansive, right? I feel deeply like I'm in my full essence and I can go back and I told people actually once on Instagram I said go back to like a year ago even and there's a couple maybe not even a year ago maybe six months ago I posted a video on my Instagram on pranayama on Nadi Shodhana for anxiety and I want you to go watch that video because I chuckled out it's me being like really awkward and I'm like hey guys so today I wanted to film a tutorial for you on Nadi Shodhana for anxiety so in today's video, I'm going to be demonstrating, like it was really not me. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's so funny to go back and see that, right? Because it's like, that's how I thought that a teacher should show up, right? And that's just, it's just not the case. You want to show up and you want to be you. And from a, you know, let's say like a business perspective or, you know, an attracting in your, your, you know, students, it's like when you show up as yourself in your energy, in your essence, you're going to attract, you're going to magnetize the people that want to work with you, that want to learn from you, that want to study with you. And you're going to repel the people who don't. There are probably people who think I'm effing obnoxious. I'm, I promise you there are. Maybe you're watching right now and you're like, no, you're so obnoxious. Like, that's cool. <laughs> but there are people who are like, I fucking love... I can't even tell you. The more that I show up in this like authentic way, the more that I get DMs from people going, Mel, I fucking love you. And that's like my metric for like, okay, cool. You know, because when people know the real me and I show up in this way, they're like, no, it's so funny. You know, this is, that's like my, my full expression, right? And so, yeah. So that's like sort of my metric for knowing that like I'm on the, I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. I'm being myself. <laughs> okay. I want a little, how long have we been on here for? I feel like, again, I could just go 31 minutos. That's insane. Okay. Maybe I'll even just stop it at this. I feel like that was really powerful. And there's just so much around this concept of Tadama, but um, let me just go back actually and see. Okay. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tie in these last two concepts just to, just to wrap it up in a neat and tiny bow. But this will be a concept that I want to share about a lot more because one of the things inside of Embodied Ayurveda that we talk about, like I said, like toward the end of the program is like, 
I always want to get crystal clear for myself. For me, I'm super purpose-driven. I'm super purpose-oriented. When I think about like, why does it matter for me that I support people with this? Like, why does it matter that I support people in regulating the nervous system through like deep self-awareness? Like, why do I care so deeply that people get this work and they know themselves and they can self-regulate and they have these practices and they feel calm and balanced? Like, why does that why does this work matter to me? And it occurred to me, like it matters to me because I care a lot that people do in the world what they fucking love. Like that they show up and that they're doing work in this world that like lights them up, that they feel like they're living their purpose. They feel like they're making a difference in their lives. Like that really, I'm like, whoa, that's it. So this concept of dharma, like the way that we go through embodied Ayurveda is very much this like I'm going to show you guys, I'm going to do like a screen share. I've really kind of restructured in a subtle but powerful way the program where it's like we move through like phase one, self-awareness, phase two, phase two, optimize the physical body, phase three, optimize the nervous system, nervous system energy, optimizing the mind, the nervous system, there's something in the middle there. And then the last phase is like radical alignment with your purpose. Like what is your purpose? Like what are you going to go forward and do? And maybe that's teach. Maybe that's start your own business. Maybe that's like, I'm going to be the best mom. And like, whatever that is for you, it's like, I just get, I care that you get crystal clear on like what that is. So this concept of dharma is like a natural, like next step inside of this conversation of, okay, once we're, our body and mind is in integrity and we're regulated, like, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that regulation? How are we going to impact and shift the world, right? Like I'm a big believer that like there are people here, many of you listening to this, like you were put on this planet for a reason. You were put here to create a big change, a big impact. And right now, like you might feel kind of stuck. You might feel stuck in your body. You might feel stuck in your mind. You might feel just like overwhelmed, anxious, stressed. Like you just you don't know how to get out of this like rut. There's like something holding you back. And so embodied Ayurveda is very much like, okay, let's get you unstuck. Let's get you really clear on like what's going on in the body and mind. Like what is happening right now on, you know, a physiological level, on an energetic sort of nervous system level, what's going on in the mind. Let's, let's get that under control and then get you moving in that direction and get you moving in that direction. By the way, as someone who's, you know, struggled with anxiety, overwhelm, all of the things for some time, I can tell you right now, it's not that it just goes away, by the way. Okay. It's not like inside this program, I'm very mindful with like my language. It's not like 12 week cure for anxiety. Like, no, I'm not going to cure your anxiety. I'm not going to cure your stress. I can't wave a magic wand and make all of the you know, anxiety provoking situations and stressful situations go away. But what I can do is prep you with the tools and the resources and the strategies and the deep self-awareness to be so resilient and able to handle whatever it is that comes up for you. Because if you are someone who is committed to impact and you are someone who wants to create their own business or teach or whatever, this journey ain't for the faint of heart, my friends. There will be many anxiety provoking, oh my God, I suck self-doubt, you know, all of the things, moments that come along that way. But if we're grounded in our ability to self-regulate and in our ability to step into our own leadership, for the most part, we're going to be like miles ahead of the game. So I feel like I went on a little ramble there about why this work is so important to me, but I do feel like, yeah, this concept of dharma, purpose of mission of like, you know, passion is so, so, um, it's so important. So the last two things I want to talk about in the context of dharma are this idea of duty and then obviously your vocation. I'm not going to get into vocation actually um, because this can be, this is super individual. I think it's something that's like so like self-discovery oriented. And of course, I do think that our, that inner work, that ability to tune into our body and our mind, that ability to just like, 
understand what makes us us, right? So for example, I'm someone who's a lot of um, wind in my, um, in my chart, a lot of wind in my constitution, sometimes a lot of wind in the digestive system, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so that windy energy, that Vata energy actually gives me tons of creativity, tons of creative energy. And that's a huge part of my dharma is being creative. That's something that I love doing. And so just as we get familiar with our dosha, our energy, maybe even our astrological chart, um, we start to understand, okay, what would I be best suited for? What's something that would really align with my strengths? And it's super individual. It's not just like based on your chart, this thing, X, Y, and Z, you know, it's super individual. Like, what do you love to do, right? Like, what is the thing that, that lights you up, right? And so again, when we tune into our body, oftentimes the body can tell us, what are the things that totally light me up? You know, we can feel it in our body. Like I said, that expansiveness when we do something and we can just get like lost in doing it, right? That is like an indication like, okay, this is for me. I love doing this, right? For example, I've just spent probably 40 minutes chatting about this. Clearly, this is something I really like talking about. Clearly, this is a part of my dharma, my, you know, vocation. And me sharing it in this particular way is like me embodying my essence as I do it, Right. Um, so I want to talk about this idea of duty. That's the last thing I want to talk about, um, in the context of doing our dharma, because this all has to work together. We do want it to work together. And like I said earlier, it's like, I'm a mom, right? You have multiple duties in this lifetime. Okay. You're not just ever one thing. You're not, I'm not just a mother and I'm not just, you know, an entrepreneur and I'm not just an employee and I'm not just a wife. I'm not just a friend. I'm not just a niece to double A who's watching this right now. I'm all of those things. And so inside of dharma, right, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to certain people in our lives. We have a duty to, you know, work and bring home money so we can feed our children and our families and have a house over our head and like, you know, buy clothes for ourselves to wear, right? We have those duties and responsibilities. And so your job, right, aside from like the essence and, you know, all of that is to do those things to the best of your ability, your job is to show up each and every day and to take on each of those roles in the best possible, you know, way that you possibly can to do it to the fullest extent, to do it to the best of your ability. And I want to give you a little bit of a, of a, of a story here. There's a guy, and, and I love this concept of dharma and duty in India, because I think that India is a really potent and powerful place to see this concept of like duty play out and like, so many, you know, when we think about dharma and we think about, you know, oh, what's my big purpose in life? We need to recognize for five seconds as well, the privilege that we have to get to choose what we want to do. Like we get to choose. And the, uh, the concept of dharma in more, you know, ancient Vedic traditions, it actually was also determined by your past life karmas and what you know, socioeconomic status you were born into. So some people in India are, you know, born into a class or a caste that will always be, you know, uh, woodworkers, that will always be auto rickshaw drivers, whatever, right? Into certain castes who don't have the privilege to sit around and say, hmm, like, what is it that I want to do? Their dharma is like almost determined for them. There's like a word for that. I'm going to... Um, I'll have Vikram, I'll have Vikram um, tell me a little bit more about that at some point, the specific name for that. But anyways, it's such a this is such a beautiful place to come to see this concept of Padma in its like fullest, most vibrant expression because you see people who are doing 
jobs that you wouldn't, you know, it's not like you grew up as a kid thinking, I'm going to be an auto rickshaw driver. But you see there's a guy in, in Mysore, I want to talk about him. His name is Mahesh. If you've ever been to Mysore in India, there's a guy named Mahesh and he's a fucking awesome auto rickshaw driver. And he is to me the most like just potent example of someone who does their dharma. Like he does his duty. Like he shows up and he's the best auto rickshaw driver in Mysore. Like he shows up, his auto rickshaw is like pimped out. It's got this like stunning, like Buddha, you know, painting at the back of it. He's got this like, this like furry kind of like ribbony thing, not furry ribbon. Yeah. This, I don't know. He's got this, like he's decked it out. He's got this, this like cool horn on it. And he, you know, if he's driving you around, he doesn't just drive you from point A to point B. Oh, no, 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 no. He's like your tour guide. Also he'll stop. He'll be like, sir, this is the, this thing. He will make it his, he makes that ride a fucking experience. Okay. He doesn't just show up and do the bare minimum. He shows up and he goes 110 beyond. And he is just like making it this like amazing experience for you. He takes that role and he does his dharma with it. He does it to the best of his ability. He's not doing the bare minimum. He's doing the best of his ability. And so again, it's like many people might not grow up and think, oh, I want to be an auto rickshaw driver. Maybe people would scoff at that as an occupation, right? Many people in the West would the way that he fucking takes it on is just like, yes. Like he just absolutely crushes it. And let me tell you, he's probably one of the most like sought after auto rickshaw drivers in Mysore. And when most people go to Mysore, I'm like, I, I want Mahesh to take me to, you know, like Chamundi Hills or whatever, right? He is like, so he's just awesome. And so the way that he embodies his dharma and his duty, and he does it just so effing well, um, it's a really powerful example of that. And so it's like, you know, whether you're a mother or a student or, you know, you work at a coffee shop or you work at a job that you don't super love, it's like, how can we embody dharma in that way? How can we show up and do that duty and do it to the best of our ability, no matter what our circumstances are, right? How can we do that and honor and know, like, again, maybe you do have this big purpose, right? Maybe you do have this like big vision for like a business or this impact that you want to make. Know that you can still work toward that big vision impact mission while also just fully embodying your dharma and doing your duty to the best of your ability in these other areas of life and doing your current job to the best of your ability while also working toward your dharma in other areas of your life. So I'm going to go back to the Facebook group, see if anyone has any questions. My goodness, I've been like 42.23 minutes, guys. It's been 42.23 minutes. Thank you if you're still here. I do, let me just do a little refreshy here see what's going on in the Facebook group. So yeah, guys, that was so fun for me to talk about. (laughs) Um, This will most certainly be repurposed into a podcast episode because it felt so fun to chat about. Um, So I hope that you enjoyed this. And I hope that this sort of all tied together, you know, so much of the stuff that I've been chatting about over the last like month or so doing these, you know, daily lives. And um, for those of you who are, you know, maybe watching the replay or double A, I think you just come on or anyone else who's just on right now, Um, I did want to reiterate what I had shared right at the beginning and what I have written on the, um, what do you call it, like description page of this Facebook Live, which is that I am looking for three people, uh, max three people who are really wanting to learn how to teach meditation, teach breath work, incorporate Ayurveda either into their current um, teaching or, you know, coaching practice. Um, you could also just, you know, not have a teaching or coaching practice and just want to be, you know, um, trained to teach and guide meditation specifically from an Ayurvedic perspective. 
Um, if this is you, if you know of anyone who's been like interested and, you know, been talking about, Hmm, you know, I'd really love to learn how to teach and guide and lead meditation. Um, they're keen and interested in Ayurveda and learning about it from an Ayurvedic lens, specifically how to tailor meditation programs, breathwork programs, some basic lifestyle regimes. And if you are an existing asana teacher, you will learn how to, you know, gently weave in Ayurveda and Ayurvedic, you know, wisdom into your teaching. If that sounds like you, or you know, someone who is interested in learning that, please do let me know, shoot me a DM. Um, as I said earlier, I am doing a beta professional training where I'm going to be teaching people how to teach meditation confidently and competently using the wisdom of Ayurveda, incorporating, you know, some breathwork practices and really supporting people in bringing this wisdom of Ayurveda more into their teaching, or if they're not a teacher, like I said, into the teaching that you will be doing. Um, that is what we will be doing. And because it is like a beta certification, I'm offering some pretty sweet, um, discounts as well. So if you know of anyone, please let me know. Um, let me know. Let me know in the next couple of weeks as we will be um, starting some things shortly. There will be some like, you know, practical stuff. Um, as an FYI, I don't know if this is obvious, but it is totally online because hashtag 2020 and 2021. <laughs> so it will all be virtual. Um, yeah, it'll all be virtual. So guys, this was so soul fulfilling for me to share about. I can't even tell you this was amazing. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this community. And if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy any of the podcasts that we share here at Yogi Fuel, I would be so honored if you would go and leave us a review. If you would share that you're listening to this over on Instagram or any of the social medias, this helps more people to get connected with us, to get connected with this wisdom and ultimately to support and, you know, up-level their lives. So please go ahead and do that and watch out for next week. Next Wednesday, we will have another podcast dropping and I would be so honored again if you would tune in. So that's all we've got for this week and I'll see you next week. Bye.